to preach in Camas has been a dream of mine for eight years. Uh, basically, when we I moved up to, uh, I just want to take a couple minutes to introduce myself a little bit to you, because I know I don't know most of you. Um, moved up to uh, Heber from Southern California to plant Mountain View Fellowship um, eight years ago. And within not very long after being here, driving around the different towns in, in Utah, saw that there was a lot of need for for Christian evangelical churches in a lot of the towns, and and really fell in love with Camas as just a really cool area. I like to come up here. Um, I love going to the drugstore for burgers, and uh, the knots, the garlic knots at the pizza place are amazing. Uh, cheese knots, whatever. I just say, I want those knots, I just and I order them. They're good. Um, and then you go into like a coma, because I literally eat like the half dozen thing, you know. Um, but uh, so I do that a lot, and I uh, I love driving up to Mirror Lake. I have a motorcycle, so this is kind of my. In fact, I was hoping to ride today, but it wasn't nice enough. So, um, but anyway, I love coming up here, and so I really fell in love with Camus, and and once again, just felt there was this need. And uh, throughout the years of being down in Hebrew, we've had families from Camus um, driving down and maybe plugging in for a little bit, some of them longer than others, some of them have stayed like the Goffs, you know, through uh, the last six years or so, and then uh, they were one of the families that was really excited about us getting us started up here. So this has been a dream of mine for quite some time to have Camus get established, and about two years ago, we really started working on, okay, how is that going to work? How is that going to look? Um, and so we developed the model that we're working under right now. Mike Smith has been with us uh, from the beginning. I hired Mike uh, to come on and do youth um, with us at the very beginning, and he's did that faithfully for about uh, five years, and uh, then the last year and a half or so been developing him for the position of being the campus pastor here. Um, but the idea is that we really are, we're one church. So you know, as Camus grows, you know, like we're advertising the father-daughter dance right now, which is in Heber, but the goal is that as Camus grows, there's an event that I get to be down there going, hey, you guys need to be up at this event in Camus, you know, uh, that, that they're putting on. And so we'll we'll see a lot of that. Um, you know, you guys have already gotten to meet the diff- a lot of different people from the worship team, um, and I, I literally have been jealous because everybody, I'm like, everybody has been there except for me. I need to be there. So, um, really excited about being here. Um, I don't know, did I, you didn't say anything and I didn't, um, I just want to make clear though, I, I'd like us to pray for Mike and his family before we get started. Um, if everyone's heard Jeannie Smith, which is Mike's mom, and I know she's been doing a lot of work in the preschool and nursery. Um, she, um, came contracted, um, it's bacterial meningitis, um, this week. And, uh, thank God Jeff found her. Um, she had gone to bed complaining of a headache, and before Jeff went to bed, he had the prompting to to check on her and wake her and not just let her sleep, and thank God he did because he was unable to wake her, and uh, so she was rushed to the emergency room on Thursday night, um, and uh, we, we she life-flighted from Park City to Intermountain Healthcare in Murray, and uh, I was with the family till about 5 a.m. there, um, and she is still in the hospital. I, I went and checked on her last night. Um, she's doing much better. She is able to say a few words now and kind of open her eyes, but, like, she didn't recognize me yet. Um, so she she's still got a long way to go to get out of the woods, 
Um, so I uh, definitely want to be praying for the, the whole Smith family. Um, that's why none of them are here today. And um, uh, But just keep them in prayer. Uh, Mike would have been preaching down in Hebrew today, but I told him to take the, the day. And uh, so we've got a guest preaching down there uh, today um, so that he can just kind of spend the day with his family. So um, if I, I'd like to just pray for their family, and um, and then we'll we'll move forward. Heavenly Father, I thank you um, for the Smith family, and uh, just what a blessing they are to so many people, um, and they're just all of them right now. God, there's just a lot on their hearts, um, and, uh, going through a lot of uh, stress and, and pain and hurt and and fear. And God, I pray that your Spirit would just cover that. You would just take all especially the fear from them, God, that they would just trust in you right now. Um, give the family strength. Father, may they just come together and support one another. Be lift, continually lifting up Jeannie. We pray for the doctors involved, God, that you would just give them clarity in this situation. And, and most of all, we lift up Jeannie. And we just uh, we thank you for her. And God, we just ask for strength for her and healing. Uh, protection, uh, God. That uh, and God, we we ask for a full recovery. In your name, we just put her in your hands. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Um. So before we jump into the the message, just a, a little bit about me. Um, I uh, I have five kids. Um, three, four of which are girls. Uh, so you can pray for me there. Uh, uh, and my son left. He went and joined the Navy, so he left me with all four of them. Um, and even my dogs are girls, and I just feel very outnumbered in my home. And uh, so, uh, but the, we we have four great girls. Uh, one who's uh, 19, going off to college. Another who's 16, uh, goes to Wasatch High. And then we have two adopted little girls named Bella and Angie. One who's eight, and one who's five. And so. Um, they've been, you know, my kids, my family, that's just a big major part of my life. My wife and I have been married for 27 years. She would have loved to have been here. She is at a, she's a swim coach and she's at a, a swim, a coaching conference up in Idaho, um, falls. So, uh, next time my whole family will, will be joining me and, uh, they would, they can't wait to be here as well. Um, but like I said, we're from Southern California and, uh, I like to do a lot of outdoors things, uh, from, Ride my motorcycle and boat and fish and hike and and that kind of stuff and then mostly spend time with my family and friends. So uh, that's a little bit about me. A, a little little kind of a funny story. I um my boat got stolen yesterday. I um it, it's funny now. Yesterday wasn't funny. I you know doesn't take long. It's funny now. Um so uh I my but the way it happened was kind of funny because my little girl Bella she was out in the yard and she comes inside and says, Dad, where'd you move the boat? And, you know, it's a 21-foot, like, ski boat, you know, with a rack. And, and, and I, I go, honey, the boat's on the side yard. And she said, no, it's not over there. And I said, of course the boat, it is. And, and I go, you just didn't see it. You were doing something, you didn't see it. And, and it was covered, too. So I thought, well, maybe she just didn't recognize because of the cover. And she said, no, it's not there. And I said, she, I literally was like, Bella, I know it's there. You want to bet me? And she goes, yeah, I'll bet you. And <laughs> I go, I go. I go, okay, what do you want to bet? You know, thinking it's a quarter or whatever. She goes, I'll bet you $10. And, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to te teach her a lesson not to bet what she gets. So I, I go out there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, the boat is gone. And, and um, she goes, 
So and she's really smart, though, right? She could tell I was frustrated, and I, I'm, like, freaking out, and I'm like, what do I do? And, and so I'm thinking. So she waits till I calm down about three minutes, four minutes, She kind of, just till I'm a little calmer, and she just kind of comes up, and she kind of pulls on me, and she goes, Dad, you owe me $10. <laughs> so I was like, yes, I do. So I lost a boat and $10 last, yesterday. <laughs> I have no idea. It was stolen. It really was stolen. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's, it's reported to the police. I put it on Facebook. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a 21-foot bay liner. I don't know the last four of the VIN. Uh, it's got a rack on it. It's blue and white. Yeah, that's what someone was like, isn't, aren't they doing like a $1,000 fish thing at Rockport? Someone was like, maybe they're going to like, they just borrowed it, and they're going to like give you half if they, I'm like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Anyway, yeah, so no boating this year, but that's cool. That's all right. Um, we'll, we'll get through it. Um, hey, we're um, in the middle of a series that I've been really excited about. So we're actually coming to the end of it, and it's called Gotta Have a Question. And so we've been dealing with some kind of difficult questions throughout this series, some, some tough things. Um, everything from did Jesus really rise from the dead? Um, some of you, that was your first week here, you know, and you're like this new church and we talk about poker, you know, that's, that, and, you know, so, but uh, I, you know, we use that as a way to kind of talk about the evidence of, of Jesus rising from the dead. We've, we've dealt with, I, last week, listened to Mike's message on um, dealing with different religions. Why, why are there so many religions? And I thought he handled that really well. Um, all the way to why, you know, why do we, if, if God's good, why is there suffering in the world? So, covered a lot of things, and today I want to talk about, can we really have a personal relationship with God? Can we really know God personally? Now, before I do that, though, I just want to encourage you to look at this paper here, because next week we're closing this off, and the way we're going to close it off is we're going to deal with whatever questions you guys feel are most important. Um, So if you've got something, you're like, man, I want someone to answer that for me, um, we would love you to write that down. You know, maybe it's a personal struggle you're going through. Um, maybe it's a theological question. Um, you know, I, I don't know, you know, what your question is. But we're going to deal with the top three um, next week. And so we're going to put them all together from Camus and Heber, and we'll, we'll kind of sort through. And whatever gets asked the most, those three questions, we're going to deal with. So if you've got something, uh, feel free to put it down. And then even some of the ones that don't get answered, if, if there's a couple people that ask them, we're going to try to, like, over the next few months, do some blogging and, and put them on our websites about those questions. So um, we definitely want to get to those. So uh, please make sure you put those in the offering today because I will literally be taking them when I leave today. So if you've got one, um, do that. But as far as how can I know God personally, that's a, it's a, probably a question that most people deal with at some level because the reality is, is that 90% of Americans believe that there is a God at some level. You know, we give God all these different names, you know. Um, we give God the name of Jesus, you know, but even even that, Mike talked about last week, is that, you know, there's something like 30,000 different sects, the CT word, of, of, uh, of uh, Christian faith, and yet within that, they don't all really see Jesus the same. You know, there are some that don't really see Jesus as, as Lord and Jesus as, as God. Um, so, you know, we, we believe the traditional, was, as the Bible teaches, that Jesus is God. Um, 
But so we give God that name. Other people give God all, the name Allah. Some, you know, just they only worship the, the Old Testament Yahweh God. Some uh, worship, you know, Mother Nature. Uh, some call God just this all-knowing force. The Star Wars literally calls God the force. Um, you know, so there's lots of different ways and names that people see God as. And so through that, a lot of people do want to know, well, okay, if there is this God, can we know him personally? Um, and what I love about the Bible is, I believe that's what the Bible is. The Bible is God's love letter to us, helping us to know, one, his desire to know us, and then his desire to be known by us. You know, that, that really the whole thing is the story of God's love for us and his, his desire to be known by us. A lot of people see the Bible a little bit differently. I I remember hearing when I was younger, uh, someone used to say, oh, the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. You ever heard that? B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. I get that. I disagree with it because I don't know about you. I don't like instruction manuals. Um, you know, instruction manuals are very literal. They're very specific. Honestly, in some ways, it'd be nice if that was what the Bible was because it literally could be, okay, this situation, section A13, okay, it says this is what I do, right? That would be nice. But that's not what the Bible is. The Bible is a love letter. It's dealing with relationship. It's dealing with, with uh, growth and, and getting to know God and who he is. And, like, and, and that's not always as easy, is it? It's sometimes really hard to go through that and interpret meaning and, uh, and what it what actually meant and how it's meant to be read and said. I, uh, um, we, we've kind of grown into a texting culture, you know, where you read what people are saying instead of hearing. And... Uh, my kids, I, I'm learning, I'm, I'm not a good texter because my kids are always, Dad, why are you so mad when you text? I'm like, huh? mad when I text? What are you talking about? And they're like, you always sound mad when you text. And I, I literally will go like, how can I sound mad? I don't even, I, I, you're, you're reading my words. You're like, well, you don't, you don't use emo, emo, emojis. You don't use those. And you, and you don't, you know, you don't, you just say to the point. You don't give any like, hey, how are you? You know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, I don't get it. But but the reality is, is it's it's sometimes, you know, written word is is hard to interpret sometimes. And it, it's and it's not as easy as uh as just an instruction manual. And yet it that's what the Bible is, is a love letter to us about this relationship. So I just kind of want to go through real quick to start off with how how do we see that God wants to be in relationship with us? The fir- the, the first thing is God created humanity and desires to be in a relationship with he created humanity and desires to be in a relationship with us. Um, you know, basically, the first part of Genesis is about God just starting this relationship with people. You know, from the very beginning, he desired that relationship. That's why he created us. He desires to live in that relationship with us. Um, and he wants us to know him. He wants to be known by us. That, that was the intent of the Garden of Eden. You know, when you read the account of the Garden of Eden, it, it says that not only did God take care in creating it all, but it wasn't like he just created it and then just sat back and looked at it. It says that he would walk with them in the cool of the day. He would come and be in presence with them and, and be in relationship with them and, and enjoy having community with them in the garden. He desired to be in relationship with him. And that, that was what the garden was intended. The garden was intended that we would be in eternal 
relationship with God. But I think a lot of us, we don't really see it that way. We kind of see it like, you know, like God just kind of created it, and then he just kind of said, okay, let's see see what happens, you know, and, you know, and then I'll, I'll push him over this way. I'll kind of, I'll get him to do what I want him to do. I think a lot of people see God's relationship with us the way my relationship was with my, like, reptiles and fish when I was a teenager, you know? Hey, you know, it's like I would create these little worlds for him, right? You know, I, I, I'd do that. But then I basically would just watch them, right? I would just, I didn't want to be in relationship with them. I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't even care about them. I just, it was, they were fun to watch. You know, I liked watching them eat smaller animals, basically, was my, my point behind it. So, so, I, you know, I just, I, I just had them in there, but there was no desire for relationship with them. I wasn't, I wasn't wanting to be with them. I was wanting them to entertain me. I was wanting them to, to just do what I wanted them to do. And I think a lot of us see God that way. We see like God just kind of created this and now he just is up back up there going, no, do, do what I want you to do. Do this, do that. And, and that's not what God wants. God actually wants to be in relationship with us. And that's a, a lot of people have a hard time grasping that concept about God. But here's the deal with relationship. No relationship works. No relationship is real without choice. If you don't have a choice about whether or not you want to be in the relationship, the relationship doesn't really count. He had to give us a choice of whether or not we were going to stay in that relationship. And so therefore, he created the tree with the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And the original sin, all the religion, original sin was, was Adam and Eve saying, hey, God, we don't trust you. We trust ourselves. That, that's really what it was. We don't trust you. We trust ourselves. And that was the rebellion that broke the relationship because all relationships need trust, don't they? If you can't, if you don't have full, full trust of someone, you can't have full relationship. There's always a barrier. In as much as you don't trust a certain person, there's that much of a barrier in your relationship. You will, you'll never be able to have absolute community with people that you don't trust. And that's what happened in the Garden of Eden. I, uh, having my adopted girls has really kind of given me a, just a small glimpse into, into kind of how God must deal with that. And that he wants to be in relationship with us. But see, the reality is, is we always will have the choice whether or not we accept them. My adopted girls, I brought them into my home wanting them to be my daughters. I want them to see themselves just as having the same rights, the same love, the same care as all my kids. And yet they're going to have to choose that. They're going to have to choose whether or not they are going to trust me and want to be fully in relationship with me. Because if, you, if you've adopted or you know people that have adopted, that's not always the way it works. Sometimes adopted kids grow and they choose, they, for whatever reason, they decide, I don't trust my adoptive parents. And I don't want to be a part of that. And I'm going to, I'm going to separate myself and, and either try to find my other family or I just am not going to feel accepted there and I'm, going to, I'm just not going to be a, have a family. And I've known a lot of adoptive parents who have had to deal with that. And, and, and really, that's what God deals with, deals with with us, is he, he wants us to be in relationship with him, but we have got to choose that. We've got to choose, do we trust him over ourselves and over everything that the world has to offer? So the second part of that relationship is that we've rebelled against God and we've broken a relationship. That's what it meant when we, when we, when 
Adam and Eve took the fruit. They basically were saying, God, we, we trust ourselves over trusting you. That's what sin is. Every time we sin, in a sense, what we're saying is, God, I know what you call us to me to. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what you say is best for me, but I don't trust you. I'm going to trust myself. God, I, I know you say I shouldn't lie. I know that's what your word says, but God, you don't know this situation. You don't know what's happening, or I feel like I understand the situation better, so I'm going to choose to lie because it's going to be difficult to tell the truth. They might not like me, or, or, or it's going to hurt my relationship. Oh, God, you don't understand. I'm, it's going to help my relationship in this situation if I lie. See, see we, we trust ourselves versus trusting what God has for us and, and what he wants for us. So every time we sin, that's all sin is. Sin is choosing to trust myself versus choosing, choosing to trust God. Rome, Rome, I'm going to look at some passages in Romans to kind of discuss this. Paul, it's, these, Paul wrote Romans, and uh, some of you may have heard of the Romans Road. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of a way that people sometimes express uh, God's desire for a relationship with us and, and um, how, how he handles that. And, and Paul says this in uh, Romans 10, I mean Romans 3. He says, verse 10, he says, There is no one who's righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Wow. See, Paul's pretty much clear in saying, look, we all have broken the relationship. Everyone has sinned. Everyone has, has chosen to trust themselves over God at some point. I love even when he says no one who seeks God. I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, well, some people, I, I've met people that have this great desire to seek God. But then I thought about, on whose terms are they seeking God? Most of the time, they're seeking their God how they want him to be. And if you're trying to make God who you want him to be, you're not really seeking him. You're seeking your version of him. You're seeking to have what you want him to be instead of trusting who he, who he is. Um, he goes on in verse 23. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in verse 24, and this kind of leads us into our next step, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We're, we're all sinners, and that's something I think we have to understand. If we want to know God, the, one of the first steps to knowing God is knowing that he loves you, but you're a sinner. And he loves you in spite of your sin. I was listening to Rick Warren was being interviewed. Um, if you don't, Rick Warren's a pat pastor in uh, California, but he's known internationally as a pastor. He meets with pretty much every president. He, you know, he, he's uh, very known as a spiritual advisor to many, and they, and um, he was asked a question in this. He said, they said, well, how can you tell people that you love them but call them, say what they're doing is a sin? Like, you're, you're calling them a sinner, but you're telling them you love them. And I love this answer because it showed how far off we have gotten to this in our idea in our culture. Because he basically said, well, of course I, I call them a sinner. I call myself a sinner. I, we're, we're all sinners. And, and so by me saying that some, someone's a sinner doesn't mean I don't love them. See, we've gotten in this culture and this idea that if I disagree with you, it means I don't love you. If I tell you I don't agree with what you're doing, you say I'm a hater. Uh, you hate me because you don't, you don't agree with me. You hate me because what you, you say what I'm doing is a sin. No, that's not the case at all. I, I simply say, no, we, we, we are all sinners. And there, I, I, there, 
will say to pretty much everybody, I could, you know, we could all go through the room and point out things about it in our lives that are wrong if we want to do that. That's not our job. That's God's job. We only just point to Scripture about what the Bible says. But, but it doesn't mean we hate someone because we say it's a sin. We've gotten it, this mindset that, that, you know, the word sin is like a blacklist, you know? It's like you're, once you put, say someone's a sinner, you're like, oh, God doesn't love them anymore. That, that has nothing to do with it. God loves all of us, and we're all sinners. So we have to understand that. And I think that's an important part of getting to know God. The next thing is he provided a solution to restore relationship through Jesus. He provided a solution to restore that relationship through Jesus. Um, Romans says, Romans 5.18 says, Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. And then he goes on in um, 10 um, to say that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Paul's making it clear, and all throughout the Bible, throughout the whole New Testament, we see over and over and over again, we are sinners, and in spite of God's love for us, because we have broken that trust, the only way to have relationship with him again is to put our trust again in him. It's to put our trust in what he has done for us. Instead, we keep trying to fix that relationship. So many people that want to have a relationship with God, so many people that want to seek God, they keep looking for ways to fix the separation that they feel for, with, between them and God. And, and that's basically what almost every religion I've ever studied, at least, is based on. It's based on some sort of form to earn your way back into God's good grace. If you do enough of these things, you check enough boxes, if you cut enough things out of your life, you now earn your way back into God's grace. But that's not what the Bible says at all. That's not Jesus' plan. The, 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 the plan of God's love for us goes very, back to the beginning. God created this, the garden for us to live in a trust relationship with him. We broke that trust. So now he says, okay, you obviously aren't going to, you're not going to live exactly the way I would like you to live. You're, you're choosing not to. But I want to be in relationship with you so much that now I'm going to give everything and simply ask you to trust him. See, it's all about he wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust that Jesus paid the price. He wants us to trust that we can't do it ourselves. He wants us to trust that even though we're going to lots of times choose our way, that it isn't the right way. That the, the, that the way he created us, that the, the way we, we live best is living for him. And and. Being in relationship with him is simply a matter of trust. And that's the price that Jesus paid. He paid the price of all the suffering, all the pain, all the, all the costs. And all we have to do is trust him. So what does it mean to trust him? Um, hopefully, and if not, we're going we're gonna to give that opportunity at the end of the this, this service here, but Hopefully you have at some point in your life said, God, I, I want to trust you with my life. And you've, you've given your life to Jesus. You, you've submitted yourself and humbled yourself to a place to say, my way isn't working. 
my way doesn't isn't right. My way, I keep finding myself in all these different places. You have the right way, and you've provided a way back to you by simply me trusting in you, Jesus, and, and you've made that decision to do that. If not, like I say, we will do that at the, at the end, give that opportunity. But hopefully you've done that. But even then, once you've done that, you've made that decision, it's kind of hard, really, isn't it? It's, it's, it's hard to really know. Like, am I, am I building a relationship with Jesus? Am I knowing him better? Am I growing in him? So I want to talk, kind of finish the rest of this off by talking about what does it mean to build a relationship with him? Once we've made that decision to give our life to Jesus, what does that mean? Um, you know, does, does knowing God mean I walk around with all these emotional highs or I get tingly feelings all the time or have these deep intellectual thoughts all the time about God? Um, you know, those can be little pieces of knowing God at times, but, but that's not knowing God. And unfortunately, I think we get caught up in that sometimes. So we're, we're constantly looking for that feeling. And if I have this feeling, then that means I, I'm knowing God a little bit better right now. Um, I don't know if that's the case. So I'd, I'd like to kind of just kind of take that apart a little bit. Um, you know, to know something, a lot of times depends on the complexity of what that something is. Okay? For instance, the road from here to Heber. I know that road pretty well. Okay, I've driven it enough that I could say, if you were to talk to me, mention that the, the road, I would say, yeah, I know that road. I know the turns pretty well. I, I, I know where it goes. I even know landmarkers on the road. A road is a pretty simple thing to know, though. You know, you've if you drive a road 10 times, you kind of know the road. Now, Camus, if you were to say, Shane, do you really know Camus? I would honestly have to say, probably not that well. You know, I mean, there's little things I, about it that I like and know. But I don't know it the way some like the way some of you do. Some of you have lived in Camas maybe your whole life, and and you know like little parts of fields. You know, you know history. You know, you know certain things that are in certain spots that now no one might even be able to find because other things have been built around it. You you know the town. You know the bad parts of the town. The things that you'd be like, yeah, this is the bad the part I hate about living in Camas compared all the way to the awesome parts about town that if you don't live here, you'll never fully experience. It's harder to know a town because it's a more complex thing than just knowing a road. Does that, make, does that make sense? But take that another step further. Take an animal, right? You can get to know a town a little bit easier than you can get to know a specific animal, you know? Um, if you have a dog, I might know your dog a little bit. Like if I've been to your house and, you know, I, I know the dog. I know the dog's name. I maybe know that it likes to play fetch or it doesn't like to play fetch in a little bit. I don't know the dog like you know the dog, right? You, if you, especially if you're a dog lover, you know your dog. You know what its favorite toy is. You know when it's not feeling well. You, you know um, kind of its bathroom patterns, like when it has to go to the bathroom. You know what food it likes and what it doesn't. Um, you know how it likes to sleep, where it likes to sleep. You, you know all those kinds of things. And some of you, you, you have this deep relationship with your dog. You know, you don't just let your dog sleep in your bed. You let your dog like sleep on you. You know, you're, you're that you, you just, you, you love your dog and you know that animal, you know, that animal, but you, there's a whole nother level of knowing a person, right? It's probably a little easier to know a dog than it is to know a person. Why? Because a person, you only know as much as it wants to let you know, right? A human you, you, they have to invite you in, right? And you know people in your life who you've never really let invited in. You know they don't know you that well because you've kept them at bay or you feel that with other people. They keep you at a, at a certain distance. 
it takes a lot of time and energy to really get to know people. That's why Janet talked about the barbecue. I hope all of you will be at that barbecue because you're never going to get to know each other just coming to church on Sunday morning. You know, you'll, you'll say hi. You'll maybe get to know each other's names, but you don't get to really know each other. You need to get involved with people's lives to get to know them. So, so it takes a lot of time to get to know someone. Now, let's take that to God. Okay? How much more time and energy would it take to get to know the God of the universe compared to just knowing a person? It takes energy. It takes investment. It takes time. God is, would we, can we agree that God is complex? Could we agree with that? Right? God is probably more complex than anything we're ever going to, you can't wrap your mind around the complexity of God, right? Because you want to not talk about something complex. If we believe God's creator, well, he created that, right? So that makes him even more, crea- more complex. How much energy does it take? To get to know God. You see, this is something a lot of people want to know God, but they want to do it kind of on on leftover time, right? With leftover energy. How do we get to know someone so complex by on only leftovers? It takes a lot of effort to really get to know God. Here's the other thing about God. God is so far above us. It's 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 a weird different relationship getting to know someone above you, isn't it? Um, for instance, your boss, whoever your boss is, you only know your boss as much as your boss wants you to know them, right? If, say your boss is a private person. She might not want you knowing a lot about her. You might want to be best friends with her, right? But if she doesn't want that, if she kind of wants to keep a babe, doesn't matter how much you want it, right? You're, you're always going to be, a, you're, you, there's just a position there, Right? Take that another step. President of the United States. Okay, picture whatever president you want. I don't care. Right? You're like, some of them like, I don't want to know the president, but I, whatever. Okay, so whatever president you like in, in your lifetime, pick, pick that president. Uh, you know, but say you, got to, you wanted to get to know the president and you had the opportunity. You know, most of us, if we got to meet someone, I, we got to meet John Kerry one time. Remember he ran uh, against Bush? Um, and I, I got to meet at a cookie shop. It happened to be in a cookie shop in Boston and he, he walked in and I was like, you're John Kerry. Um, and uh, most of you don't even know who he is because <laughs> once you've been beat, nobody remembers you. So anyway, he, um, but you know, I, I was honored that he took the time to stop for five minutes, introduce himself, let my son take a picture with him and, and kind of took a few seconds to encourage my son. He was 11 years old at the time. And I thought that was a pretty good deal. Now, would it have been rude if I would have said, hey, Mr. Kerry, can you sit for 30 minutes? I would just love to talk with you a little bit. That would have been rude, right? He's not even the president. He, but he, you know, he's a kind of an, he was an important person. Imagine doing that with the president, going to meet the president, going, hey, you know, I, just, I really want your time for 30 minutes, you know, uh, or trying to take his day. That, you're only allowed as much as he invites you in. Does that make sense? Now, and wouldn't it feel honored if he did say, hey, you know what? I heard, I heard you talking, and I really like your ideas. Could, could you do lunch with me? I'd love to hear what you think on this. I mean, that would be kind of honoring I mean, for you. I mean, for me, I don't know about you. I, got, I'm a, I love music, um, and so I've gotten a chance to meet a few musicians that I like. And, uh, you know, most of the time it's like they sign something, and they're nice, you know, whatever, and that's it. Um, but uh, I, I kind of got this really cool experience one time. If you're over, if you're younger than... 35, you probably don't know who I'm talking about, but um, uh, Rick Springfield, he had this, uh, he had a, that, wish that I had Jesse's girl, okay, that's Rick. Anyway, I was a house painter um, in, in California, 
and I, in a private area, and I was painting houses. And, uh, and this guy kept going around on a golf cart with his son. And, I, and so about every day, he would just take this little drive around with his son. And I, about after the fourth or fifth time, I was like, that's Rick Springfield. And my buddy was like, next to him, he goes, yeah, he lives just down the street here. And so he goes, you want me to introduce him? He goes, because the buddy who lived with his aunt or something. Anyway, so he, he goes, I've met him. And he said, I said, yeah, I'd love to meet him. So went and met him. And, and he was a really nice guy and introduced me to his kid. He actually um, he ended up having us over um, for lunch one time during our break. Um, but then he also, he invited me to go running with him. Right, because I was I was a run. I know that's it's hard to picture, but I used to actually be able to run further than from here to the door. Um, so uh, he invited me to go running with him, and I was like, Rick Springfield just invited me to go running with him, and I was like, so I'm gonna go running with Rick Springfield, and so I was all excited, and I I went running with him, and and I I couldn't keep up with him, but but I I we, it was fun, and it was it was like an encouraging, honoring thing. The guy that I looked up to as far as his musical abilities and stuff to to be invited to do that with him. Now, that kind of wasn't good with my schedule at the time because I, ha- I lived like an hour away, and that w- so I would have to get to work an hour earlier, and it was, it was, it was a little... And so after like the third time, the, the, the hey, I'm running with Rick Springfield wore off. You know? But I didn't go, hey, Rick, I still really want to run with you, but you know what? It'd work out better for me if we ran right after work at 5.30. Will you switch your schedule around to do that? I didn't do that. Right? Why? Because it was a position thing. It was like, hey, it's cool that you're letting me run with you, right? But, but you know what? That's what it is with God. We see, we want to, we, there's this lot of this God's my best friend thing right now. And I get that. That's true. God's your best friend in that, wouldn't it be awesome if the President of the United States was your best friend? You see, he's not my best friend like I get to just kind of choose hey, God, I like this about you, I don't like this about you, I, or, or hey, God, we're on the same level. God, God is so far above us. He, yes, he's our friend, but it's, when he's our best friend, it's meaning that it's an honor and what an awesome thing it is in our life that he is inviting us in to be his friend. And I think that's another thing. We have, we have to wrap our mind around that. We want God on, to kind of be on our level. And God is never going to be on our level. He is too far above us. I want to kind of close this point by reading this. Um, it's by a guy named J.R. Packer. Um, he wrote a book called Knowing God. And he says this, What happens is that the Almighty Creator, the Lord of hosts, the great God before whom the nations are as a drop in the bucket, comes to you and he begins to talk to you as through the words and truths of the Holy Scripture. Perhaps you have been acquainted with the Bible and Christian truth for many years, and it has meant little to you. But one day you wake up to the fact that God is actually speaking to you through the biblical message. As, the, as you listen to what God is saying, you find yourself brought very low. For God talks to you about your sin and guilt and weakness and blindness and folly and compels you to judge yourself hopeless and helpless and to cry out for forgiveness. But this is not all. You come to realize as you listen that God is actually opening his heart to you, making friends with you, and enlisting you as a colleague, a covenant partner. You see, that's the way we have to see our relationship. The God of all things invites us and he takes time to speak into our life. And We need to be humbled by that. We need to be broken by that. We need to allow it to penetrate our heart. 
And then we need to be thankful that he invites us, not just to speak into our lives, but he invites us to be a part with him. That's what God is calling us. Every picture of God's relationship with us in the Bible is one of him in higher position and us in submission. Father, son, sheep and shepherd, king and subject. Yes, he's our friend, but he's our king. And he's allowing us to be in friendship with him. He's allowing us to be in relationship with him. He's inviting us into that. And what an honor it is to be invited into that. So I want to just close by, by giving you a few quick things. If you've made your, I'll just say the first step in, in having a relationship with God is knowing that it only comes through trusting Jesus. That's the first step. And like I said, we're, I, I, when we close the service, we want to be able to have, let you pray with someone about that if, if that's where you're at. But a couple things. If you, if you have done that, how do, how do you grow? Well, one, you'll, you'll notice at the end of your notes, I've, just, I've got them listed here. Kind of use the little fun acronym GROWTH there. Um, but go to God daily in prayer. You know, we, we need to be lifting things, everything up to God. There's nothing too big and nothing too small to bring to God. He wants, he wants you to trust everything to him. Secondly, read his word daily. Read his word. If you don't know where to start, start with the Gospel of John. That's a great place to start. You know, we, people, some of you remember the What Would Jesus Do movement. I wasn't a big fan of the What Would Jesus Do movement because most of the people wearing their bracelets never open their Bibles. And I'm like, how in the world are you supposed to know what Jesus would do if you don't read what he would do? You know, you, get, you don't just walk around and get to go, whoa, Jesus just tells me. No, it's explained in his word. So if we want to know what he would do, we, we have to read his word. Third, obey God moment by moment. You know, get to a place where when you, when you know what God would want you to do, regardless of how tempting it is to do the opposite, just trust him and see what happens. And, 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 and continue trusting him in those things and see how he, how he works. Next, witness, to, witness for Christ by your life and words. You know, if you want a growing relationship with, with God, um, you know, I tell people in the church all the time, I'm not, I'm not one of these pastors who says, oh, I just spend all my time with everybody. I, I'm very clear. Look, I, spend, I'm, I put most of my time into the people who I see putting most of their time in other people. That's where I'm going to put most of my time because it, it, it just it grows the kingdom that way. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, I, I believe as the king, God sees it the same way. His subjects that are wanting to grow his kingdom and are, are serious about that, they've got, a, they've got a deeper relationship with them. It, it just goes stronger. Next, trust in God for every detail of your, of your life. Learn to turn over different things. This boat thing was a big thing for me like that. I, I got a question on that, that today, last night. I was driving home, and I was still kind of wrestling, and I just kind of went, I, I got, had to get to a place, I'm like, you know what, God's got it, it it'll, it'll be all right, you know what, I, it, 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 if nothing else, it's one less thing I got to worry about this year, all right? Next, hand over control to the Holy Spirit. Give the Holy Spirit control of your life. Seek Him daily. Just allow him to penetrate your life. You will, you will experience a relationship with God like you never knew. And I'll just finish this. I have this last verse I just want to share that blows me away every time I read it. It's Psalm 139, verse 1 through 6. The psalmist says this. says, O Lord, 
You have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. The knowledge that God loves me that much, that he wants that much relationship with me, is too lofty for me to attain. But it helps me know that it's all on me. It's not a matter does God want to know me. It's a matter of how badly do I want to know him. Let's pray. Thanks, God, um, for this this morning. And uh, God, I just thank you for the honor and, and chance to be able to be here in Camas. Um, God, we, we just lift this uh, day up to you this week. God, there are people that they want to know you, um, but oftentimes to know you, it, it, it takes more effort than we're really willing to, to put in. Oftentimes we don't count the cost. So God, I pray that we would count the cost um, and that we would be so honored by the fact that you call us into relationship with you, that, that we desire more than anything else to seek you and to know you. I pray these things in your name.